You know, for many of us, I don't know about you, and I would, I think we've all been at a place at a time where we've been at the edge of the rope. We've been at the, we've been hanging on by a thread, if you will. Many of us, we're making it from paycheck to paycheck, you know? And we think, and maybe you've fallen on hard times at a time or two in your life where you just didn't even know if you're going to make it to the next paycheck. Struggling. Maybe all you're eating is ramen noodles. You know, you just, man, we just got to eat some beans and rice. We're going to eat some ramen noodles, and we're just going to survive, you know? We, we've, many of us have been at that place. You've been in a place where you didn't know how ends were going to meet. It's difficult. It gets scary. And unfortunately, for some folks, it's not just a phrase, you know, having a hard time making ends meet. You know, when I was a kid, I, I thought that was some kind of meat you buy at the grocery store. You know, ends meet, where do you find that in the beef section? And I figured it out later. But, you know, sometimes we go through those times where we just don't know how, where, where is this going to come from? You know, I, this bill's got to be paid. We've got to get this grocery. We've got to take care of this, this kid. We've got to do this, that, and the other. Man, they got this going on at the school and that going on at the school. They got a fundraiser at the school. And I'll tell you, that's what we're looking at today. We find ourselves looking at the story, the account of Elijah and the widow. And she is at, she is at the end of her rope. She's at the end of her rope. But I want to tell you this. At the edge of death, there's God's word. And that's what I've entitled this today, At the Edge of Death, God's Word. And that's what we've got to rely on. The most trustworthy, substantial thing that we have present with us today is God's holy word. So when you're at the edge of death, trust His word. Now this account today, it's short and sweet, very familiar text. But I want to tell you, the Lord gives me things sometimes I wonder, how in the world do you give me this, Lord? You're just good to give me this different view. But let's read together 1 Kings 17, verses 8 through 16. I'm going to read through it, and then we'll come back and look at what, what the Lord has given me to point out to us today. Spoke to me first, so that I may speak to you. Beginning there in verse 8 of chapter 17 of 1 Kings. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that is Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Oh, this is where the, where, where the straw broke the camel's back. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, 
The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. So at the edge of death, God's word. In verses 8 through 12, I've entitled this, At the edge of death, God's word is still worth following. At the edge of death, God's word is still worth following. We see here in the beginning, verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to him. God's word was still speaking to Elijah. Last week, God had taken Elijah and told him to go hide at the brook Cherith. If you were here last week, you were able to hear that message. That word Cherith means to cut away. And so God was cutting away things from Elijah, cutting him away from those that wanted to get after him. He was cutting him away from the things that maybe he thought of himself, but God was cutting things away from Elijah. And so God tells him, the word of God comes to him, and the word of the Lord tells Elijah to arise and go to Zarephath. And this week, Elijah sent to this new location for more preparation. He is sent to Zarephath. Zarephath comes from a Hebrew verb meaning to melt or to smelt. And interestingly, in noun form, it means crucible. This place got its name because there was a smelting plant of some kind located there in that city. We don't know for sure. But whatever the source of its name, Zarephath would prove to be a crucible for Elijah. I think about that. When I, think, when I hear that word, I think about Darren. And Darren said when they were uh, training to be Marines, they had to go through the crucible, is what he told me. And so I think about that, and it's, I'm telling you, it's rough and tough, and it makes you either a Marine or it makes you go home. It's one of the two. And right here, God is taking Elijah through the crucible, through Zarephath, a place designed by God to further refine the prophet and make a major difference in the remainder of his life. The Lord actually told him to stay there, too. You see that. He said, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Stay there. Dwell there. And this location uh, this location city was northeast about 100 miles from where he was at the Brook Cherith. 100 miles. And the Lord says, get up and go. Now, if you go back and you read the previous verses, nowhere did Elijah have a donkey. Nowhere did Elijah have a camel. And he definitely didn't have a car. 100 miles on foot's a long way to go. Right? I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah, that's right. 100 miles is a long way to go. I mean, many of us, we wouldn't even walk by foot down here to the church. I mean, that's about, about nine miles for me, nine, ten miles from my house while down here. Boy, that'd be tough. I think about some of the fellows that, that uh, I've, I've worked with in moving furniture. A couple of them live real close to, to Delta, and, and they walk to work. And one of the guys was making fun of him the other day, and I was like, well, if he lives close enough to walk, man, he ain't got to pay the gas, you know what I mean? It makes more money on the paycheck. I mean, honestly, don't be making fun of him. I defended him. And he's like, yeah, that's right, you know. But 100 miles, Elijah has walked 100 miles. And God was sending Elijah into Gentile territory. As a matter of fact, 
Zarephath was not too far from Jezebel's home city of Sidon, he would be living in enemy territory. God was cutting him away. And now God was about to smelt him. God was about to uh, melt away anything else. And all this is in, in the effort of, in just, a few, in just a few verses, in the next chapter, really, let's see, in the next chapter, we're facing to see where he's going to need that. He's going to need to be prepared because he's fixing to face a whole lot of folks that see things differently than he does and who view things differently than God does, and his life is going to be on the line. So God is continually preparing him for the mission. God's continually preparing us for a mission. God is not looking at placing us in the most comfortable or secure places for his glory or purposes, but rather he's placing us wherever he deems is best for his glory and his purposes. He's not saying, oh, let me put them over here in the most comfortable, secure place. You know what I mean? For my glory. God's wanting to put you wherever. It may be comfortable. It may be really hard. It may be to burn away the pride that you had built up in a comfortable place or in a secure place where you thought you were all that. And God says, no, you're not. I am. And to prepare you to realize that, I'm going to show you that you're not all that. You are a vessel to be used for noble purposes by me, for my glory, wherever I very well choose to send you. Be prepared. Be prepared. It Cherith, Elijah obeyed the word of the Lord and received provision from the Lord through nature, through the ravens. The ravens brought him the meat and the bread in the morning, the meat and the bread in the evening, and from the, from the brook there he received his water. But here Elijah must heed the word of the Lord, and he must trust that the word is true to work. Why is that? Because even in the provision through another person, who has a will to choose to follow the word of the Lord or not. We're going from nature. Now, God is creator of all. He's king of all. He's sovereign over all no matter what. But he speaks into nature, who did not sin against him, and feeds him at the brook Cherith, takes care of him. But now God's speaking to the widow. Look there in the verse. He says there in verse, um, verse 9, he says, See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. This widow was going to have to submit to God, whether she realized it's the God of Elijah or not, because it's a Gentile nation, remember? Okay? And, no, and, and later on she says, the Lord, your God, she doesn't say it's his, but yet God is going to supply for Elijah through a pagan who did not believe that his God was the one true God, but God was going to supply through him. Sometimes God will bring things into our life through means that we don't understand. Just like he did through the ravens, who back in, Le in Leviticus, if you'll see, that was a ravenous bird. It was a filthy, considered a filthy bird. God supplied through that. Here's a Gentile, not a believer in Yahweh God. God's going to supply for Elijah through the Gentile, who did not believe in Elijah's God. But for some reason, God said, I'm going to command her to supply for you. And she's at her wit's end. She's at her, at the edge of her rope. We see here that Elijah comes in, and in verse 10, it says, He arose, he obeyed the word of God. God's word is still worth following at the edge of death. Remember, he's coming from a dried up brook. 
So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, which revealed her willingness to serve him. So he said, this must be the woman that God's going to supply. He told me a widow was going was to take care of me. So she goes to get that water. And then he calls out, hey, hey, husbands, you ever did this to you? <laughs> Ask this of your wife. Hey, if you give me a drink, could you give me something else too? <laughs> you know? Fix your own sandwich. <laughs> Whatever. It's a joke, uh, Tim Hawkins joke. Sorry. But, but he goes, he goes, she goes back there, she's getting this water, and uh, that's my ADD kicking in, I apologize. Sometimes that just kind of happens. But anyway, she's, she's going back there to get that water. And he says, hey, could you get me some bread too? And she says, hold up now. I'm getting these sticks. I mean, I can only imagine. She, she's at her wit's end. She's frustrated. You know, she's, she's disappointed. She's sad. She knows. I mean, she, this is a widow, you know. And, and in those days, a widow was proper. Uh, a, a woman was more like property, and her husband had passed. So she didn't really have a whole lot, but she had a son. So she's like, all right, I got a son. But now my son, undoubtedly, he wasn't really old enough to do a whole lot to really help her. So he, she is, she's like, I'm out here gathering sticks. My son might not even be old enough to gather the sticks needed to burn this burn this furnace to make a bread, but I'm out here gathering this. I've got just enough flour. I've got just enough oil to make me and my son a cake, and, to, and, and, I, and we're going to eat and die. That's what we're going to do. But he, he calls out to her, and he's, he's, tired, he's famished. Could you imagine walking 100 miles? The brook has dried up. I mean, it makes me think of those old westerns, you know, and the music's playing in the background, and, and out of the haze, you see this guy coming up. Shh, you know? And you see the shadowy figure, and he finally comes into view, and he sits down, and, and he's like, I hope God sends that widow pretty soon. And all of a sudden, she appears, and she's got, he's hey, can you get me some water? And she actually does what he asks. He says, oh, there's hope. Give me some bread, too. And then she responds like that. He's like, way to go, God. You tell me this widow, you didn't tell me that she was about to die. <laughs> you, know? you know, sometimes God doesn't give us the whole story or else we wouldn't trust him, would we? God doesn't tell us everything beforehand or else we might not have followed him. He says, trust me and believe me, I'm going to take care of you. That's the reason why God doesn't give us the whole story right off the bat all the time. But God may use other people. You see this. And this is, this is interesting, too, when you see this, that, that she's going to get this water, and she's going to go get this bread, and, and she responds back. But uh, this is very similar to how the occurrence happened, how the, how the faithful servant was guided to Rebecca in Genesis 24. How she's going out and picking up these things, and, and the Lord told, uh, told the servant, said, you're going to find the woman. You go to the well, or go to the water, and she's going to feed your, feed your animals. And that's, you put a ring on her finger, buddy. You put a ring on her finger. <laughs> you, you grab her up quick. And so when he came in and he found that widow, he grabbed her up quick. He said, listen, I need you to do this for me. God may use other people to meet needs for us and provide momentarily for us as we are on the go as missional disciples. This widow the Lord commands to supply for Elijah is not a believer by the language she uses when she says, the Lord your God. This is another test of Elijah, not only the widow. We understand the widow must place faith in Elijah's God that he will supply, but Elijah must place faith in God that the widow will trust. 
The widow didn't even have any bread made up. You see that? She didn't have any made up. You know, for us, we'll be like, oh, I got some bread in the freezer. I've been freezing it. You know, we might have some bread in the bread basket. We might have some, but yet we got bread in the freezer. This lady didn't have nothing. She had flour and oil and just enough for a cake for her and her son, her and her household. They were going to eat it. They were going to die. But listen, she was preparing for her final meal, not a faithful messenger. Watchman Nee once said, because of our proneness to look at the bucket and forget the fountain, God has to frequently change his means of supply to keep our eyes fixed on the source. God has to frequently change his means of supply to keep our eyes fixed on the source. Her eyes were not on the source, but rather on the means. And although the ingredients were few and limited, God is unlimited. And what we place in faith in the hands of God, he can multiply for our provision and for his glory. You think about the, the, two, the, the loaves and fishes. When placed in the hands of the Lord, they were small, but yet God multiplied them and met the need of many people. When we place what little bit we have in the hands of God, God can do miraculous things with it. But we've got to place it in his hands. And we've got to trust him. At the edge of death, will we be willing to trust our last ingredients and last moments of life to the word of God? Will we trust that God will keep his word? Or will we be like this woman thinking this is it? There is no hope. Who are we gonna, what are we going to do? Are we going to trust God at the edge of death? We need to trust God. At the edge of death, God's word is still worth following. God's word is still worth following. Look at verses 13 through 14. It says, And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, there's the word of God, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Elijah tells the woman not to fear. So much of our lives today are driven by fear. And as we turn on the news and scroll through social media, we are constantly bombarded with issues of fear. We're supposed to fear this and we're supposed to fear that. We need to trust God's word. At the edge of death, God's word can sustain from the least. At the edge of death, God's word can sustain from the least. God does not want us to fear. Elijah did not want her to fear. Elijah had trusted God to supply miraculously before, and God did. Elijah knew the Lord was good to his word. Many of you have seen God be faithful in the past. Trust God to be faithful in the present. You've trusted him. You've seen his goodness. Why do we doubt that now? Trust the Lord. Have faith in his word. Trust him. But Elijah does challenge the woman to use the minimal ingredients for his cake or his biscuits first. You see that? He says, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. Now that woman right there, I'm telling you, she's probably thinking, what? Is this guy thinking? I just told him straight up 
I got enough flour and oil and these few sticks to cook bread for me and my son. And he's going he's to ask me for the cake first. What? But nowhere is that emphasized in this text. But that's a lot of what we would think, isn't it? It's a lot of what we would think first, right? Take care of ourselves first. That's what society tells us today. Look after yourself first. Me, myself, and I. That's who I'm supposed to be concerned about. I don't think so. Jesus, others, you is what I've always heard if you want joy, you know. But he challenges her. And she, if she is to see the miracles of God, she must simply place that faith in God's word. She's not placing faith in Elijah. She's placing faith in, the, in God's word. That that, fly, that bin is not going to dry out. That oil is not going to dry up. That it's going to continue to be supplied from God's limitless supply. God is never without. God is never without. He's never short of. He's always plenty of. Overabundant in everything that we need. So what does she do? What does she do? She goes, and she does is what she says she's going to do. She does that in just a moment. I, I got a few more things I want to say about that uh, before I jump too far ahead. Um, you know, so many times we're very similar. We're very similar in thought as this woman was. For us to see God do miraculous things in our life, our first steps are in faith. You know, Ephesians 2.8 tells us, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. The first thing we do is we place our faith in God, and he's good. His grace is, is good enough. It's extended toward us, and he saves us. This woman was about to be saved by the word of God because she decided that she was going to cook that cake for him first. She is about to be saved physically. This week, we're not going to really see how she truly responds spiritually, I believe. But we do see how she responds physically. I don't want to get too far into that because I'm going to explain that in just a moment. This woman was about to be saved through her faith being manifest in her first cooking the cake for Elijah then for her and her child. We must trust the word of the Lord. By giving our lease to him, he is great and can make it multiply and bless. It's what he can do. God can do much with little when faith is the drive and not self-glory. God can do much with it. The first part of verse 15, it says, So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. At the edge of death, God's word still expects obedience. God's word still expects obedience, even at the edge of death. I mean, she was ready to just cook that bread, eat it, and die. But God's word still expects obedience from us. The widow heard the word and the widow acted on the word. God's word still expects that obedience. If from her listening to God's word, obedience sprung forth and God kept his word. God is faithful when we are not. God is trustworthy when we are not. God is good when we are not. God is God all the time. And his word is sufficient to meet our needs and guide our lives. God's word demands and expects 
obedience. This book is not a book of suggestions, but rather a book for the generations to hold to, live by, and pass on. The Bible is not a book of suggestions. We are to follow it. It is our livelihood. It is how we live. It is how we are sustained. It is by the Word of God. Jesus, when he's out in John chapter 4, the disciples, Jesus had had the interaction with the Samaritan woman. And she leaves to go to town after the disciples had shuffled their feet and realized, she realized he was there. She leaves and goes to town. And she, he, says, he says, are you hungry? And he says, the Lord supplies, the Lord meets my needs. There is food that you do not know of. God will meet our needs if we will be faithful to him and be obedient. He will do that. He is faithful and his word still expects obedience when we look at how god expects this obedience elijah watched as the widow sprung to obedience we cannot truly know in what spiritual state the lady was in when she gathered the ingredients when when she kindled the fire when she began kneading the bread when she looked at her son as she walked to the furnace when she took the mix and placed it in the furnace. But I believe when she reached in to take out that cake for Elijah, her hopelessness for the, hopelessness for the moment was gone from her. We cannot conclude at this moment that her actions constituted salvation in the spiritual manner, but we can conclude at that moment that God had brought physical salvation to her and her child. I mean, you think about that. Here she is. She's, she goes... He has told her, God's not going to allow these things to run out. But yet they're not filling up yet, are they? She takes what she's got. And she needs that flour and that oil together. And she's looking at her son. She's looking at Elijah who said, feed me the first cake. <laughs> and she's looking at him and she's looking at her son. And she's fixing this. She's setting this fire beneath the furnace or in the furnace and she's got this going. And she's probably thinking in her mind because she's a Gentile. She's a pagan. She doesn't believe in the one true God. But she's listened to the word of God. And she's acting on it. Believing that this is going to bring her physical salvation. It's going to bring her life. And she's in here and she's making this bread. And she's looking. And then all of a sudden she pulls it out. And she's like, whoa, this is a pretty large piece of cake. And she takes it over there. And she, she gives that to Elijah. And then what does she do? She turns back and she walks back over and, in, and instead of seeing an empty barrel and instead of seeing an empty flask of oil, there's a little bit more flour and there's a little bit more oil. And she's like, well, let me make a little more. And she starts kneading that and she makes it for her son and they sit down and they eat. And then she comes back and she, I wonder if she just kind of glances over her shoulder and says, it, did it fill back up again? And she looks back, she's like, hang on now. There might be something to this God of this, of this prophet. There must be something to this guy. There must be something to this God. There must be something to this word. It can bring life at the edge of death. It can bring life 
at the edge of death. Let's look at the last set of verses there. Verse, the latter part of verse 15. And then at verse 16. It says, I'm going to go ahead and read all of verse 15. So she went away. And did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for how many days? Many days. Many days. The bin of flour was not used up. Nor did a jar of oil run dry. According. To the word of the Lord, which was spoken, which was which he spoke, which the Lord spoke by Elijah. At the edge of death, God's word is still true. God's word is still true. She and her household ate for many days. God's word can be trusted to live on. You can come back to this, and you should come back to this day after day after day. In John 10, 10, Jesus tells us, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Where does that life come from? It comes from Christ. And it comes from the Word of God. If you're not hearing the Word of God on a regular basis, it's really easy to be at the edge of death spiritually. Physically, you might be able to make it day to day. And eventually, what you're going to begin to think is that you're doing it all on your own. But that's a dangerous place to be because on your own, things can dry up. Things can be taken away. But as we look at the life of Elijah... When you trust God, even ravens can bring you food in the mornings and in the evenings. When you trust God, even people who don't believe in God, the one true God, can somehow be hospitable to you. And maybe even meet your needs. It can happen. God's word can be trusted to live on. We know that this supply of food was not due to a natural addition this was a supernatural addition of food for one thing we know that there was no hello fresh there was no shipped there was no amazon fresh and there was no walmart plus to be delivering food out to these folks it wasn't there it didn't exist for one thing this ongoing fulfilling supply came by the lord for the trusting of the word of the lord and we may not realize it at times how we make it from paycheck to paycheck. Sometimes we have money we cannot explain as to why it's in our bank account. Anybody ever been there? You ever been there? I have. We've been there. Like, I, I don't know how we've still got this here. Where would that come from? I'll never forget one day we were at one of our first churches and uh, a family came up to us and said, hey, we just want to bless you with this today. I don't even think we were on staff at that church, I don't remember, but we were heading somewhere, and I had not even looked at it. A lot of times when people do stuff like that, I don't look at it right there in their presence. I think it's kind of rude, you know what I mean? I don't know, that's just me. But we're going down the road, and we had had a bill come up, and I remember Julie opening up that, that envelope, and it was like the amount we needed. And I was like, what in the world is this? That's crazy. 
God does those things. Sometimes people reach out and give, and it's somehow exactly what we need. Sometimes people reach out and offer generosity through care, meals, or attention, just at the right time. You know what, there's, but there's someone who is not sometimes, and that's God. There's someone who is not sometimes, and it is God. God is always reaching out to provide. God is always reaching out to save. God is always reaching out with his grace so you may come into relationship with him. God's word rang true and continued to meet their needs until the drought ended. Trust the word of God. And although it doesn't mean it isn't tough, listen, that woman was at the point of death. It wasn't easy. I don't want you to understand that. I'm not a prosperity preacher in any way, shape, or the matter. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that when you receive Christ, it's all limos and fried chicken. It doesn't say that. It's suffering. It's hardship at times. Are things good sometimes and sometimes things are easy? Yeah, it is from time to time. It can be. But sometimes it's hard. It's difficult. And you might be like this widow who is like, I just want to eat this cake and me and my son's going to eat this cake and we're going to die. You get desperate. But like I told you before, like I told you when we looked at Elijah last week, what we may see is desperation God is preparing a new destination. And I believe in this woman's life, God was preparing a new destination for her. And it might, might not have been moving from Zarephath somewhere for her. It might have been moving to being a believer in the one Yahweh God. It was a new destination possibly for her.